Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Good evening and a warm welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to Springboard, your virtual university. My name is Albert Okran, and from now till you graduate at 8 p.m., I promise that your personal value will shoot up. Helping me serve you tonight are my virtual academic board comprising Comfort, the Registrar, along with Matthew and Amos. Springboard is a thematic radio seminar that provides a virtual meeting ground for top CEOs, corporate executives, and the most influential leaders every Sunday evening. It has for the past six years consistently operated with a simple mission of raising a new generation of African leaders and executives using the medium of human capital development. This broadcast is put together by Legacy and Legacy, your number one choice for world-class corporate training and your superstition join 99.7 FM. It is brought to you by the kind courtesy of EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank. We also enjoy media support from the Business and Financial Times and the Graphic Business as well as Technology Backing from Dream Mobile. It promises to be an exciting evening on the Virtual University. I want to start with our Springboard Weekly Poll. Very, very contentious issue tonight and it promises to be very, very divided. Okay, so it's about single gender or single sex schools versus mixed schools. Are you a fan of single-sex schools or mixed schools, particularly talking about secondary school and boarding school for that matter? And so the adolescent years or the secondary school period is a very important part of the socialization process of the individual. And all students of mixed schools like Achimoto School, Agri Memorial, Tamale Secondary School, and of course the newer ones like TIS, SOS, Faith, Montessori are in the red corner, while the single-sex schools like in France, Madisadal College, Wesley Girls, St. Peter's, Infantsman, Pope John's, St. Mary's, and so on, are in the blue corner. One school of thought says, hey, it is single gender or single sex schools. Another school of thought says, no, mixed schools are better. The proponents of single sex education say that boys and girls develop better in environments where they are raised exclusively. They insist that students of such schools often end up with stronger old school Unions, old student unions, because they forge better relationships. I'm sure that independent schools today would have affirmed that position. All right, they question how mixed school students can concentrate on their studies with all the distractions and the temptations that confront them daily. They also argue that products of single-sex schools end up being better spouses because they grew up appreciating the other sex. The mixed school school of thought rubbishes these claims and suggests that separating boys and girls for for years, it's artificial and risky because it leads to misconceptions and later to potential friction in relationships. They argue that children must grow up together from childhood all the way through to adulthood to be able to appreciate the dynamics of real life at all levels. So, what, what school do you belong to? Share your thoughts with us. The mixed school people believe that mixed school graduates are more likely to learn things like table manners and other catsies because they mix with the girls every day. That's talking about the boys. So if you support single-sex secondary schools or mixed secondary schools, just share your thoughts with us. Just post them on our Facebook page and we'll be happy to let the whole world know. Maybe if you are one of those who had both experiences, maybe at O-level and A-level or GHS and SHS, let us know which one impacted you the most. And you're talking about all-round development and why. This is the debate tonight on Springboard, your virtual university. You can send your thoughts by text 1422 across networks or post them on our Facebook page. Let me remind you also that we are on day number 26 of our 31-day journey, which explores the 31 secrets of the world's greatest CEOs. The Springboard SMS Academy is just a school on your phone where you get to receive a message every single day, no matter which network you're on. And so the message for today that appeared on your phone around 10.30 a.m., depending on which network you're on, says great leaders stay awake at odd hours. Their quiet moments spent at dawn or at night 
help them to strategize and identify what their priorities really are. I'm going to find out from my guest very shortly whether she stays up at night or she wakes up very early because I have a very special guest for you tonight. And that brings me to my main subject for today. Today we climb to the eighth floor of our series called Leaders Digest. We started from the ground floor on the 7th of September and it's been quite an engaging interaction with seven leaders so far. Our simple task is to find out from them the core principles and the values that undergird their lives in the hope that by the end of this series we can put together the thoughts of different leaders and find commonalities. What is it that drives the top leaders in industry and other areas of endeavor? How can we glean these secrets and share them with everyone who wants to make it so that they can know what to do and what not to do? My guest for tonight has very has what I would call mouth-watering credentials and achievements. And so, in the eighth edition of Leaders Digest, I get to hang out with a chartered electrical and electronic engineer. She holds an MBA from the prestigious INSEAD. She successfully transitioned from core engineering to become one of Africa's leading telecoms business leaders. She started in automotive engineering with Ford Motor Company and went her way through design engineering, manufacturing and project management in the UK, Germany and Portugal and later became a change manager at the Royal Bank of Scotland in London. So of Scotland. So she, she's worked her way through all these industries and today she's the managing director of Airtel Ghana. And I'm sure you'd be happy to know that she's a product of Wesley Girls and Presec. I'm sure if I didn't see that the old students of those two schools will send me text messages. But I love the part that she does say that she is passionate about tapping into human potential to de- deliver outstanding results. She says she shares one of our passions which is engaging people and then developing them and just seeing them soar. But I want to find out tonight, what is the driving force that projected her from engineering to telecommunications and to management? What lessons has she shared about migrating from one course to another and the very dynamic world of careers that we find ourselves in? Very importantly, what is her winning philosophy? My guest for tonight, Lucy Quist of Airtel Ghana, and she's the eighth leader to come on our Leaders Digest. Lucy, welcome to Springboard. Thank you very much, Albert. It's a pleasure to be here. It is just a blessing to have you on the show tonight, and I'm sure that we there's, there's so much you want to find out. But let me, let me, let me, let me start with the light, on the lighter note. Uh, uh, two, two things that I want to find out. First, about this issue of mixed gender versus single sex schools. It's just been a raging debate on Facebook since yesterday when we posted it, and I'm going to share some of the thoughts of our listeners. But you had the privilege of going to um, one and a half as it were, <laughs> a girls' school, and then I, think, I don't know whether to call it like a mixed school, but what was experience and uh, what are your perspectives on this? Oh, you do love to stir people up, don't you? Um, <laughs> you know, for me, going to Wesley Girls, um, like many things in my life, um, was a chance occurrence. Um, I knew someone who went there, and I thought if she she is so great, um, I looked up to her so much, I thought she's going to go there. I'll go too. And I found it a very um, engaging environment, an environment where um, you were supported um, and you were encouraged to be the very best you could be. There was never an issue of intimidation or trying to hold you back in any way. It was actually actively encouraged at the peer level and also at the level of new gyms, teachers and people who are looking after us. Um, So it created this, you know, invincible um, spirit and attitude you know, through those years. Um, but I was also very curious. I was curious about um, what it was like in um, different environments outside of um, Wesley Girls. And also, I was curious about the notion at the time that Prosec was the best science college in Ghana. I'm sure the Prosecans listening right now will be smiling. Um, and so, you know, I went along to Prosec for these two reasons. Um, um, and it's interesting that you call it a half because you're right, the, the sixth form was mixed at the time, but the rest of the school um, was still uh, uniquely a, a boys' school. Um, I don't think that if I had spent all of my time um, at Preset giving the environment, it would have been the same outcome because I think um, coming from a single-sex school to, to the school, there was a little bit of intimidation. Um, the good thing about it, though, is that it, it um, developed a lot of resilience because whichever way you look about at it, when you go into the wider world of work, you will be faced with people of, of different genders, and, and the mix means that you have to be prepared 
for dealing with everybody um, on their level. Um, but I'd have to say that I would still vote for the young women to go to the single-sex school, certainly Wesley Girls High School if they can get there, um, and explore the world after that. There's a lot out there. So my vote is, is very clear, but I do love a Prosec too. <laughs> right. So you have a rare, a rare situation, and I'm sure that the, the, everyone listening tonight has a very strong opinion about this. So you can share those opinions as well. I have quite loads of them to share along the line in this program, and you, you, you can share your thoughts as well. One of our, our guests earlier in the series, Ken Ashby, who's an engineer and, 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 and now he's into media and, 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 and management at that level, uh, at various levels in the media. And Ken was adamant that a person with an engineering background has some advantage in management. We put that out as well. And surprisingly, we've got quite some interesting opinions coming through and some researches that suggest that people, people who have an engineering background have some advantage in management, I'm, I suspect that you will, you will share this, that as well. I mean, our colleague Matthew put out a, 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 a research from Harvard Business Review released um, with the top 100 best performing CEOs, and 24 of them had undergraduate or graduate degrees in engineering, and that was quite significant. What is your perspective on that? Yeah, I've met Ken, and he's a very um, nice gentleman, very fine gentleman in what he does. Um, I think that the thing with engineering is not so much about the, the, the course type title itself. It's about the competences. And I think it certainly does give you an edge in management when it comes to um, the competences that you need to be able to engage, you know, and develop other skills. Um, when I look at, you know, problem solving, the ability to analyze situations, the ability to, you know, break things down to the drivers that really lead to those outcomes. These are core competences that you really need in decision making, in planning and strategizing as a leader. So I think what engineering really gives is competences that you can transfer into other areas and keep you on this continuous learning path where you're able to learn new things and absorb new concepts just because you know how to break them down into, you know, the, the constituent units. So right. I'd always vote for that too. <laughs> 16 minutes past the hour of 7 o'clock. Two votes down, a few more votes to go. When I come back, we'll be finding out about how you made the transition because many people are locked up in this traditional perception about careers being linear. So you grew up wanting to become a doctor, an engineer, a pharmacist, and you, you see yourself in that mode and cannot see yourself migrating to other fields or exploring different fields. And the word explorer reminds me about the theme for Springboard next year. But in connection with our theme for Springboard 2015, our scripture for today is about, uh, is about exploration. So show me where these two Bible verses can be found. And I chose the Message Bible to make it difficult for you to find it because many of you have other versions. Uh, but of course, your phone would have it. Right. So in return for a copy of our book, Men touring for success. If you can show me where these verses are found, I'll be very glad to give you a copy of the book Mentoring for Success. If you want to post it first on our Facebook wall Springboard the Virtual University, here's your verse or your verses. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. I guess you didn't know that was in the Bible, but that's from the Message Bible. So where can these two verses be found? If you find it first, you get to win yourself a copy of our book, Mentoring for Success. One of these, I'm going to add something bigger to that prize that we give every single Sunday. You may never know which day it will be, but while you locate your, the verse on your iPad or wherever you find it, let me give you one more reason to bank with EcoBank. Have you heard about rapid transfer from EcoBank? Rapid transfer from EcoBank lets you send and receive money within minutes across Ghana and throughout Africa. Rapid transfer is fast, convenient, and reliable. You can transfer as much as 30,000 Ghana cities. Funds arrive in the local currency, and there are no charges for the person you are sending the money to. You don't need need an EcoBank account to use rapid transfer. And so from now until the 30th of November 2014, there are instant gifts on offer for every transfer you make. So if you want a fast and convenient way to send and receive money, choose EcoBank, EcoBank Rapid Transfer as your preferred money transfer partner. Just visit any of EcoBank's 79 branches across Ghana or go to ecobank.com. Terms and conditions apply. EcoBank is the Pan-African Bank. I'll take a brief commercial break. When I come back, 
let's talk about the transition from automotive engineering to telecommunications leadership on the continent of Africa. And while we do that, we'll find out what are the pillars that hold the life of my guest, Lucy Quist. Please don't go away. Ah, there's a Mekubank ATM. Now, check this out. I'm going to get money out without a car. Gosh, how did you do that? Don't you know that now you can withdraw cash from either MTN Mobile Money or Exxon Money at any Ecobank ATM and you don't even need an ATM card? Wow, that's great. And Ecobank has over 200 ATMs across Ghana. It's so convenient, plus it's super easy and totally secure. Withdraw cash at any Ecobank ATM from your MTN Mobile Money and Airtel Money wallets. For more information, just call free on short code 3225 from Airtel, MTN and Vodafone lines or 0302 213999. That's normal charges. Terms and conditions apply. Echo Bank, the Pan African Bank. A wonderful blend of old and new corporate partners working together with us to reorient 30,000 young Ghanaians and to take a thousand young entrepreneurs on a journey to prepare their own business plans. We have an audacious program to empower a million people in the four northernmost regions through an intensive program of media education, community interactions, school programs, and mentoring initiatives. The exciting news is that we are gathering a hundred private partners beyond corporate partners. Let's put our money where our heart is as individuals. So if you believe in the course and you are willing to support it throughout the year, either in cash or in kind, this is a new opportunity for you because we want to build a new country in which our young people grew up to live their dreams and build the continent in the process. If you are thinking of being part of this group of private partners, you want to call Matthew on 0544 or Eric on zero five four four three one five one six three for details about private partnerships. And so my guest for tonight is the CEO of or the managing director of Airtel Ghana. We've been talking about we've been talking about single sex schools versus versus um, multi multi sex schools or mixed schools as you want to call them. We've also touched on the issue of engineering, uh, an issue raised by Ken Ashibi. But I'm, I'm curious, engineering is not often associated with women and, and about people growing up it was seen as a male dominated field you went in there and just blew it and then moved on into telecoms and into management in, in various ways walk us through a summary of your journey let's see where the turning points were um, i think becoming an engineer um for me was um, pretty much inevitable. It was more a case of, I think, by the time I was a teenager, I was doing the opposite of trying to resist becoming an engineer. Uh, my dad's an engineer. He'll be very excited. He's listening in this evening. Um, and he really opened up this world that had nothing to do with my gender at all. Um, so by the time I was five years old, he had taught me how to change a, a fuse on a, on a plug. And it was his favorite party trick to call people in and say, look, she's going to do it. Which, of course, I didn't realize was engineering. I just thought was um, a little trick that we, we had learned together. Um, and as I continued on that journey and I became more exposed to, you know, um, what he, do, he does and what people around him does, do, sorry, um, it, um, it seemed like a, a, a very natural thing to do to figure out how things work, um, to um, put them together to construct them. So I, I went on this journey where fortunately when I got to school I found the core building block subjects that take you into engineering um, interesting but still sometimes challenging. So I remember at eight uh, my dad teaching me algebra and, and me thinking this is completely um, impossible and this does, just doesn't make sense. Of course a few years later I realized that it did, it did actually make sense. Um, so I stayed on the course um, stayed the course and went through and studied engineering and I thoroughly enjoyed my studies as, as an engineer. I was fortunate that by the time I was studying engineering I was also already engaged with Ford Motor Company so I, I got the exposure to how what it meant to be a professional engineer um, through, through my summers um, as well as 
studying engineering. Was, was it an internship opportunity? It was internship opportunities to start with. So I started with internships every summer and also uh, a year out um, with the company. So it was taking me from right, be, right from being a school leaver on this journey of engineering as I studied and, and worked through it and um, right through all the way. So, you know, over a 10-year period, it took me on this journey that led to um, chartership. And it was an exciting journey. You know, I loved the opportunity to make things work, to pull together, you know, parts. I worked in um, um, audio design, so to pull together um, the parts of an audio system and really figure out how do we make it better, how do we make it more cost-effective, how do we make, uh, you know, the quality better. Really interesting. But I think as I grew, I also got to understand myself better. Um, and I realized, you know, along the, the way that my personality type was more taken to um, situations where I could engage more people, I could interact with more people, different um, people with different perspectives, a, a diverse group of people. Um, and this is what really set me on the path of transitioning from you know what was my core competence of engineering into a sort of a, a, a different path. Of course, when you're on the journey, you, you don't know how far, where it will take you to, and the journey isn't over yet. But my, my general focus was to go into um, areas that were more engaging, or that spent more time engaging other people, our customers. You know, when you're an engineer, you don't spend always spend so much time. Um, with your customers directly, your main customer is, um, you know, the product you're designing. Um, and so that's why I, I took the leap and I went off um, to um, business school. I went to business school really to develop new competencies. It was really about learning new things, meeting new people, um, and um, understanding new perspectives. That was what really drove me. Why is that? <laughs> you know, um, I was telling someone the other day that, quite frankly, my story of INSEAD is purely driven by my husband. I was very fortunate um, to have met him at the time, and he introduced me to this wonderful institution. And I remember his exact words to me. His words to me were, you're the kind of person who goes to INSEAD. And I really wondered what was INSEAD, but of course... I found out about it, and I was fortunate enough to um, get to um, attend INSEAD. So once I was out of INSEAD, it was more a case of how do I now really discover this new path? What path would it, would it be? You mentioned my time at RBS, um, and it was interesting to be involved in investment banking. It was a major merger and acquisition, so it was a time to learn how companies really worked in, in their growth strategy, how change worked, and how integrating different companies really worked. But I think I was still looking for something. Now, one thing um, I, I haven't mentioned is the fact that when I studied engineering as an undergraduate, I actually specialised in at the time we call at the time we called it communications, but what what is now telecommunications? That was my um, core area of focus. I, I focused particularly at the time on um, transmission um, as an undergraduate. So it just it happened that I was in the right place at the right time. A telecommunications company was looking for someone who um, could help them across the African continent. So they weren't just looking for someone for Ghana. They wanted someone who could relate to the continent and someone who could um, also engage people in both English and French. So I um, kind of um, fit the bill and, um, you know, I thought, why not? Um, and... Um, moved you know swiftly into this new field that took advantage of my um, undergraduate qualification my engineering my business education and of course my own connection with you know Africa being uh, my home so um, it all came together really well and it's one of those things where you step into an industry and you realize that this is home I think you always know when you're home I felt very much at home in, in automotive but in this telecoms is home from the point of view of I'm an engineer, but I also get to be myself, which is about engaging people, about helping them to realize who they really are, to realize their potential, to realize the potential we have as an industry to make a significant difference to the lives of people, you know, across the continent. Um, and for that reason, that's why, and, you know, at Airtel Ghana, we focus really on creating an environment where people realize their potential, where people know deep down within what they're made to do, where people make positive change 
in the way they work and what they do and how they do it for their customers to really, you know, positively impact um, their community. So, really exciting for me. You talk about being lucky. Do you believe in luck? It's, it's a tricky one. Um, I would say yes, but have to qualify it. I qualify it by saying that I think I've been very fortunate because I've consistently met people who have been extremely generous towards me. And what I mean by that is that I consistently work for bosses who for some reason spotted some potential and decided, you know, I'll invest in you. I'll help you on this journey. So is luck the right word? Maybe, maybe not. But I certainly feel fortunate that people have focused on helping me realize my potential to see things in me that maybe at the time I didn't see and help me on that journey. And that's why for me, generosity and helping other people realize their potential is a very important value that I try to, you know, um, to actually live every single day. Let me, let, since you mentioned values, let me, let me ask you the question that is, is the centerpiece of this series. We try to find out because beyond the story, beyond the technical stuff, beyond the organizations, one of the things that drives us on this journey is to collate the central principles, values that govern or undergird the lives of all the leaders that we are having here. And quietly in the background, our research team is piecing them together to find commonalities. We release our own research and post it to Harvard, <laughs> and, and, and and just and just see what, which are the ones that appear on the on the platform for each single leader. So, what, what would be the three that you would choose if you had to choose? Um, so, I've mentioned generosity. It's right. very um, um, very much at the heart and centre of what I do. Um, I also have a value that you know I. We all um, get things from our home environment, from our from our families, and both of my parents had to really work um, hard and break the mold in terms of their backgrounds to be who they were. And so, they both grew up, um, particularly when it came to academic p- pursuits, um, being excellent. They had to be different. They had to be willing to be the ones who went to school or got further education um, to really really further you know their own lives and and you know their achievements so excellence is really important to me they taught me that and excellence that as i have learned it um from my parents is about outdoing myself it was never about um why haven't you outperformed someone else it, the question was always why haven't i outperformed myself um compared to my previous achievements so excellence is a core value and, and i use it um Actively, you know, I, I live it because why do any less than I can do? If there's room for more, if the potential can take me further, why should I settle for less? Um, and then finally, uh, my third value is in integrity. Um, and for me, one aspect, yes, is the being um, timely, you're, you're keeping to your word. But more importantly, it's about being consistent. I think it's important that... Um, People can identify with you as an individual, as a company, for what you stand for. And that's what integrity is about. You have to have a degree of consistency that even when you're not in the room, someone can honestly vouch for you because they know what you stand for. So for me, it's very clearly generosity, excellence, and integrity. And for me, very clearly, it is 27 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock, and this is Springboard, your virtual university. I get to hang out with Lucy with somebody I've heard about for a long while, and I'm so blessed tonight to be able to interact with her. She's spoken about a number of things, but let me start from the bottom, or the, the very last thing she shared about her three core values. You know that is the heartbeat of this program. So generosity, driven by the fact that she's a beneficiary herself of other leaders who have seen the best in her and always urged her to rise to her full potential, for which reason she herself also goes all out to help people become who they can be. Excellence driven by her own parents' passion for excellence and their own their academic journey, something they passed on to her, and they defined it. She defined it as outdoing herself and not necessarily focusing on anyone, but looking at herself and how good she could be at every point in time. Integrity, she defined that one as consistency, people being able to identify who you are, what you stand for, and being able to vouch for you 
at all times. So this is the journey we are traveling. And very soon I'm going to begin to piece this together and find out, okay, so for anyone else listening out there, can you say that for somebody who's passion is people who have studied engineering and then gone through every other banking is it the banking industry yes investment uh, banking investment banking and then also did in engineering did something about telecommunications and then kind of likes communicating with people it all comes together you are now the head of a telecoms company i mean please there must be something in mixing it up together and then blending it. It's your own journey in life like that or it is that convoluted mix that you cannot tell how the pieces will come together. The good news I have for somebody is that when a puzzle is being put together it always looks like a crazy mix but when one thing joins to another and to another it can become a beautiful picture and God always makes that possible. And so I'm going to at this point give you a reason to attend. If you're talking about the pieces that can put your life together I can tell you for sure one of them is public speaking. If you get it wrong you see how this loses speaking with so much so much passion and so much clarity it is one skill you will need if she had all the ability she had and didn't have the public speaking ability i suspect that the interview somebody else would have taken the job away from her if you are somebody with great potential but you also realize that you need some help with public speaking this is particularly for those at the senior management level those who are in public office those who are pastors who speak to people every single week if your job involves speaking to people consistently um, on a weekly basis, this course would help you because we're looking at building credibility, stage presence, content development, planning and preparation, using the supporting tools like you have a coach would help you even to use PowerPoint because that is one challenge that some people have and then self-confidence and mental mastery, how to step onto the stage with what they call Vim and then managing your audience, sales and corporate presentations that is on the, on the business side of things and then controlling your space. Some people just seem to be in so much control when they step on the stage. And then very importantly, on the wings of all this training, there will be practical coaching and mentoring sessions. We've announced this for, for a month or so, but it's coming up this week, Wednesday and Thursday, 29th and the 30th of October. The Venice and Knowledge Center East Legon. If you have not as yet registered, you are about running out of time. The rate is 950 Ghana CDs per person. And it's two days, 9 a.m. till 4 p.m. The number you may want to call, 0544-315164. Or somebody says, these numbers you mentioned, listen, listen, just give me that hotline that I can always remember. Okay, the number is 024-9999555. That's one you can't miss. And so note our hotline and call, and you will be assisted to register for the program. And so that is the public speaking and corporate presentation program. I'll also be speaking very shortly to Mr. Kofi Dazi, finding out from him his perspectives on some of the issues that we have shared. Does he believe that in your career journey, you mix so many things and then you end up, end up doing one that is an amalgamation of all? Does he believe in what Lucy called luck but qualified it? Is it possible that, that what she called luck is just probably the hard work that has come together. Lucy, is it possible that what you call the generous support of people who believed in you was just people honestly appreciating the fact that across board they just saw something that was just there to see and they edged it out? Um, and you know, that is, is, is very possible. I mean, um, at a very, very young age, I remember um, coming home and as children do, complaining to my mother about um, school. Um, and not being and having enough friends at the time and I remember so clearly her looking me straight in the eye and saying Lucy you know life is what you make it and I never ever forgotten that lesson that I have a role to play I have a part to play in the outcome of my life um, and so yes grit hard work is really important and I try to work hard but I also appreciate the fact that the leaders who took me under their wing and worked with me didn't have to do it. I wasn't the only one who was working hard. Um, I wasn't the only one that they could have chosen to take under the, their wing, and they did. So maybe they saw something, but I'd like to appreciate it that, you know, it is good fortune on my part to have them um, take me along the journey. That heart of appreciation is probably another thing that is so. But have you failed before? Failed? Setbacks, disappointments, tears? Many times, many, Let's many about times. The corporate side of things. Many, Have you failed before? Um, many times. Um, you know, uh, 
we we fail to learn, you know. We don't. I, I don't mean you know. We we don't learn, but I mean failure is a, a great learning opportunity. Um, and you know, I failed a number of times, but each time there's a great lesson um, on the other side of it. And um, for me, some of the you know, if I have to you know really quantify and give an example, um, one I clearly remember is about um, on the people side. Um, I once had a boss, um, and it was a very, uh, he was a very tough boss, a very tough taskmaster. Um, I guess that was um, his way of taking you under the wing, so to speak. But I found working with him very, very um, challenging. Um, and I, where I um, quantify that on the lines, uh, along the lines of failure, um, is the fact that it took me a very long time to really understand and appreciate where he was coming from, his perspective on why he was such a hard taskmaster and it made the journey bumpier than it needed to be. Um, it made it a very bumpy journey but I learned over time, after a very long time, that actually the fact that the engagement wasn't working initially was more about me than about him. It was more about me not learning quickly enough how to adapt to his style of management and leadership than about him not being a good leader. In fact, he's a very good leader, a great leader who um, I still admire and still learn a lot from. Um, but it took me a while to see that. Would you say that in your developmental journey, at every point in time, you need a particular kind of, for that matter, um, um, a, a boss for that matter? I mean, if you are developing, would you say that at every stage in your life, you will need a particular kind of overseer, boss, or leader to bring out the best in you? Absolutely. Not just um, bring out the best, but to learn from. Because what I found is that every single person I've worked with or worked for is very different. And what drives their success is unique to them. Um, so each one of them has presented me with an opportunity to learn from their experiences but to also develop new skills and competences in myself which perhaps if I hadn't worked with them I wouldn't have developed. So it's very important that we're exposed to a diverse group of people, especially leaders, from whom we can you know, develop and tap into different competences to grow and be, become more of a, a composite, what I'd call an omega leader that is well-rounded and very sort of combined in, in what um, we do and how um, I lead. Do you fear anything? Um, my... Yeah, I, that was a long pause, wasn't it? Because you know, when it comes to fear, it's it's for me, it's not personal. You know, I'm I'm you know, the journey has been good, the journey's great, and I believe the journey will continue. So I'm not so much afraid of tomorrow. If I had to be concerned about anything, it would be about not being there for someone who really needed me, not being able to spot that someone needed support, someone needed um, guidance. And I missed it. I would, you know, that is probably my greatest concern and fear of not spotting the person who really needed my attention and support. I'm going to read out a, a few of the thoughts about the debate about single school and mixed school. When I come back, I'm going to ask you if, if I, if I organise, how, how many, how many people do you employ in your organisation, um, approximately? Well, we are all, all, all together a few thousand, but right. directly um, a few hundred. Okay, so if I if I put a poll to them and ask them to describe you with one word, what would it be? I'll be asking you very shortly, so <laughs> think about it. And, and give me a very honest one. <laughs> <laughs> it is 17 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock on Springboard, the virtual university. My guest, Lucy Quist, the managing director of Airtel Ghana. And Lucy is walking me through the pages of her life and sharing some very interesting thoughts with me. I'm going to piece together the Ten Commandments of Lucy Quist before this program is out tonight. But talking about single-sex school versus mixed school, Kweku Sikahinia Mpuma writing on Facebook says, To me, it doesn't make any difference. The most important thing is how well the school organizes itself holistically. Emmanuel Ajimfra Boatin says, From Abuasi, I attended the mixed school, both JHS and SHS, and it really helped me. A lot. Felix Muintiro says, I attended single sex school and I wish there was a single sex university too. Hey, <laughs> this is serious. Jifa Anyasa says, I attended Pandu Secondary School mixed and I thank God I would always prefer a mixed school to single sex schools. 
He says from preschool to primary to both secondary schools, tertiary to the same. Why separate them at secondary level? Um, Ibrahim Jamfo Brahma says, I think the mixed schools are the best. Barry Malcolm says, I prefer my single sex SSS experience at Prempe College. Manasseh Azuri is the final one and he says, I have a soft spot for women empowerment and the affirmative action because of my experience at Cratchit Senior High Schools. I'm sure there are very varied opinions about this one. I'll take a brief musical break and when I come back, I'm going to be raising Mr. Kofi Daz, the CEO of Rankard. But let me say, a good evening to the Marketing Woman of the Year, Kate Quartipapafiu, CEO of Reroy Cables, and of course, Edward Ifa of Fidelity Bank, the Marketing Man of the Year. Our friends on the CIMG Awards this week, PZ Cousins, Graphic Communications Group, our friends, MTN, of course, Enterprise Life and Enterprise Insurance, African Regent Hotel, Yorks Investment, Starbow and Coco King. These are all brands we've worked with on the road show as well as the virtual university. We want to say thank you to you all. Alright, so the verse we gave to you earlier, Galatians 6, 4, and 5, and the winner is Moses Mensah. And Moses, you get to read a sort of a copy of the book, Mentoring for Success. Galatians 6, 4, and 5. Just go and read it and let it guide your work this week, wherever you find yourself and wherever you are listening tonight. But we've been talking about how you can do several things and they piece themselves together to build a beautiful career. Kofidas is the CEO of Rankart Solutions. He's led the company in its evolution from an ERP contract software de- developer in Ghana to become a multinational mobile telecom software business with a client base including Google, BBC, VOA, MTV, ESPN and connectivity to global careers like Vodafone, MTN, Tigo, Zane, Airtel, Orange, Globacom among others in 25 countries across Africa, the Middle East and Asia. He's on the line with us. Kofi, let's find out from him about career transitions and the lessons involved. Kofi, good evening. Good evening, Albert, and um, good evening to Lucy. Well, see, so your microphone is open. But oh, good evening, Kofi. <laughs> right. Say hi, Lucy. Hi. So, Kofi, how, how are you? How, how's the evening going with you? Not too bad. Um, I've been uh, trying to psych myself up to make sure I can uh, live up to what uh, discerning spring board listeners are used to. <laughs> it's a virtual university. It happens every week, so we are always mm-hmm. learning. Okay, let's find out from you. In your own developmental journey, would you say that earlier on, Lucy talked about the fact that in her life journey, she started from engineering with a bit of telecoms in it, and then she went on to investment banking. She found that she loved people, and it all came together with her, her current job, which she calls home, as the CEO or the managing director of um, of Airtel Ghana, would you say that your own life mirrors that kind of coming together? She calls it luck, but that coming together, would you say that is a case in your life as well? Um, in uh, many ways, yes. Um, I, I share similar strong parental influences, um, the ways in which my father and mother insisted and expected no less than excellence all, all the time. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that um, I actually first met Lucy back in the 90s on my way to engineering school, around about the time when she was done with engineering school. So um, I, I, shared, I shared similar views on, on what the background and training you have at home may influence the direction that you take in school, may influence what you want to do and what you study and how you apply it. And um, for me, there's um, lots of things that I've, I've encountered and that I encounter every day in a leadership role and how it all comes around. But there are three fundamentals, leading with your head, leading with your heart, leading with your hands, and um, um, stringing those together in a consistent way so that you're providing authentic leadership for the people you're working with. And um, Albert, if I may digress or dig a bit into what I mean here, um, it's essentially that with your head, you're talking about reasoning and judgment. Right. I mean, it invariably involves proactively seeking out, analyzing information that you're able to get your hands on, even though essentially you're going to do a lot 
from your gut, which is based on the experiences you have, which is based on what your core values are, which is based on what you're understanding with. Uh, whereas leading with your heart is more about feeling, emotion, motivation, purpose, and passion. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's no surprise that great leaders like Steve Jobs, who led one of the greatest engineering firms we know of and we experience every day, was known to be a highly passionate person and into the detail of what his products were about, what the user experience was, and how and the extent to which engineers had to constantly excel. Which brings me to leading with your hands. And this is working alongside your people every day, but also when you think of leading with your hands, it's also about being skillful and being diligent. You know, so um, in summary, in my own experiences, I'll sort of tie this back to engineering because what we learn in engineering school is how to think, design, plan, and then execute. But the sustaining power that it takes to build a great product is invariably passion and purpose. That comes from your heart. You want to execute this great product because you are passionate and empathetic to the problems that it's going to solve in people's lives. And that gives you a certain energy and drive to work through it. However, if you don't have skill and the diligence to execute, you know, whether you are playing an architecture role, in our case in software development, or whether you are writing code, whether you are doing testing, whatever phase it is, if you don't have the skill and the diligence, then what you're going to produce is not going to be excellent, you know. So um, these are my, my thoughts and my experience leading from where my bringing is, where my faith is, which you know about, and um, that's what I'd like to share this evening. Thank you very, thank you very much, Kofi. And it's always a joy to have you on the show. And let, let's 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 hang out one of these days and and explore a bit of the thoughts you are sharing. But you know, head, heart, and hand is the is the is the school motto of Maoli School. One of the schools I enjoy tra- going to when we travel on the road show in one of my favorite cities, which is Ho. So maybe we should go to Ho and talk about head, heart, and hand. Sounds like a plan. Right. So God bless you, sir. Right, so that was Kofi Dazzle, the CEO of Rank Card Solutions, corroborating some of the points that you make, Lucy, earlier on. And it's, it's just interesting. He also talked about engineering. I think the, the School of Engineering will accuse us of a conspiracy to try it, or we'll, we'll, just, we'll just say that you're doing a very good job of promoting engineering as a career. But it's, it's just an interesting blend of thoughts that are coming through. Let me give you a summary of the thoughts you've gleaned from you so far and I'll give you the chance to slap on one and then <laughs> that will be the final one for today. It is five minutes to the hour of eight o'clock to Springboard your virtual university. My guest for tonight, Lucy Quist, managing director of Airtel Ghana, somebody very passionate about people. So the the, the nine lessons I've learned from her so much, she promises to give me a tenth one. So if I was writing a book called The Ten Commandments of Lucy Quist, chapter one would be about parental orientation, talking about the father being an engineer and guiding her on the journey, teaching her algebra at age eight and how to change fuses on blocks. Second thing is about career dynamics. So she worked in audio design, which she loved, focusing on quality enhancement and cost reduction. And the 10-year journey led to chartering in engineering, but she found out also that her personality type loved interacting with people, and that set her on a journey to where she now calls home. The third thing is about partnership. I know you would think about, uh, I was going to talk about business school. No, she said, she said, the idea of going to INSEAD was inspired by her husband. That means marry the right person, and, and it will be well with you. Absolutely. So it's about partnership. <laughs> you see how quickly she interjected. Number four is about positioning. She said she was at the right place at the right time, and when the opportunity came, everything that she had made it possible for her to get the opportunity, including the fact that she was also bilingual in English and French. The faith was about mentoring. She says she's been fortunate to have consistently worked with people and bosses who saw the good in her and edged it out and challenged her to be the very best she could be. The sixth was her three pillars, the three core values. She named them as, them as generosity, of course, influenced by her own experiences, excellence, which she defined as outdoing herself and non necessarily looking at others, and then integrity, which she defined as consistency, people being able to vouch for you at all times and know what you stand for. The seventh lesson is about failure, which she describes as a great learning opportunity 
and she said she's failed several times. She did, she mentioned an experience in um, one of her bosses, which she described as a hard taskmaster, but who she now admires. Who knows? Maybe that boss giving you a hard time is bringing out the best in you if you could see it differently. The eighth thing she talked about was composite leadership, what she calls the Omega leader. She says everybody in your life has something different that they bring and all these things working together make you the full-blown leader that you should be. The ninth one is that if her colleagues have to describe her with two words, it's going to be warm and tough. That combination, only she can explain. Listen, <laughs> take us home with your tenth and final point. What would be your closing thoughts on a show like this? For anyone listening out there, what can they carry away from this interaction with you that can help them become the next Lucy Quist, or better still, the next whoever is listening, whatever God meant for them to be? Absolutely, Albert. Yes, my, my wish is that whoever's listening will, will blaze their own trail. Um, and the tenth point I'd add to what you've read out for that purpose is try. Whatever you, you, you know, whatever the situation, just try. Try something new. Try a new idea. Try a new location. Try a new opportunity. But whatever it is, try. It may work out and you will fly with it. And if it doesn't work out, you learn something from it. But inactivity, indifference is not an option. Mm. Just try and grab opportunities as they come and run with it. Before before you go, I'm tempted to te- ask you to tell listeners your own personal history with the virtual university, just for the benefit of listeners. Absolutely. Um, I have um, a, a number of young people I spend a lot of time with mentoring. Um, I love them dearly. And one of them made it his personal mission at the time we were working together every Monday morning to ask me, did you listen? And he just went on and on and on until... Um, I said, okay, let's have a let's have a listen to this show on a Sunday night, and I must admit that since that very first time, quite some time ago, I am hooked. I am really hooked, and I um, listen every Sunday night as many times as I can. Some Sundays, of course, um, the kids may may take precedence over that, but um, that's how I came to be um, engaged with the virtual university. So we learn something from our mentees as well, and they expose us and complete us. So. We, we that, that mentees. We want to thank that person for for initially compelling you to listen to the virtual university, and then eventually you became hooked, and now you enjoy it. So let's exactly. say a, send a shout out to your husband this evening and to the family out there. Thank you for listening and for being who you are tonight. On a, on a walk with Jesus, we are bringing you the captivating story of a fetish a chief fetish priest who is now professing Christ. He was born with a talisman in his hand, initiated and practiced occultism for 45 years but is now in Christ. Stay tuned for the rest of the story. Lucy, it's been a wonderful evening having you on the virtual university. Let's do this again, or probably still, let's go on the road show, touch some lives and transform some people. It's been an honor. Thank you very much for having me tonight. Thank you too. And so, for anyone listening out there, if you want to sign up to the SMS Academy, this is how you can do it. Just pull out your mobile phone and send the word Springboard short code 1984. If you are on MTN or Airtel, just send Springboard to short code 1984. If you are on Vodafone or Tigo, just send it to 1985. And you will receive an instant message confirming that you are in the academy from now onwards. Who knows? Something you learn on your phone could transform your career forever. So we come your way again next week with another inspiring edition of Leaders Digest. My name is Albert Okran, and on behalf of Comfort, Matthew, and Amos, God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-249-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. No more searching, the light has come.